Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. So welcome back to another episode. We're just both staring at our busies yeah. like, these are good. We are. So today's drink of choice is Vizzy Hard Seltzer. This is the first time I've ever actually ever had these. Yeah, I think they're good. And they're, they're touted as like a little bit different than the other seltzers because they have antioxidants and vitamin C. Oh, so, so we're basically getting healthier. That's... That makes drinking so much better. Can't you feel your immune system just like, I love you? I do. Oh, my goodness. This makes me feel good about drinking. So I'm not going to lie, though. That says a Sorola Superfruit. Not going to lie. I thought it said Areola Superfruit. So I've had too many so far, apparently. Well, you know, it could be seen as a superfruit, I guess. I've never had Areola Superfruit. It's so tasty. It almost tastes like pomegranate. Oh my god. Okay, you know, you've had too many wind. Or not enough, depending on which way you look at it. It's all perspective, people. <laughs> wow. Well, cheers. Here's cheers. to beginning our second episode. I know. I can't believe it's the second one already after all that planning and talking and giggling and drinking. Right? <laughs> We pregame pretty hard. Oh, we do. This. Yes. Because we wouldn't be the drunk divorce divas if we were sober. Exactly. Then we would be that <laughs> SDDs. And that just almost sounds like something you go to the doctor for. <laughs> we, we don't need antibiotics. We need no. alcohol. <laughs> you can edit that out if you need to. Nah. nah. <laughs> we're keeping it. Why bother? Would Joe Rogan edit it out? We love you, no. Joe Rogan. No, he would not. <laughs> oh, we love, love Joe Rogan. Yes, we do. So today, in today's episode, we're going to talk about the fact that here we are in our 40s, finding ourselves divorced. Never would have thought no. that we would be here in no. our 40s. No, because we both had pretty long marriages, especially mm-hmm. by today's standards. And I'm not knocking anyone who gets divorced early because props to you for figuring it out that it's not going to work. Right. But we both were uh, almost 20 years in, if you average us out. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's a lifetime of kids and friends that are couples. And, you know, you kind of siphon off a lot of friendships throughout the years. And I I know for myself, by that point, it was almost all couple friends. I mean, we camped as couple friends. We partied as couple friends. Mm -hmm. And then our kids grew up together. And all of the, yeah, since they were, what, five years old. So you create this, this mini culture around you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's gone. Right. Like just boom and and it's gone. And that's so hard because it breaks everything apart. And you know that, Mm -hmm. you know that your friendships are going to be different (laughs) and your relationships with everyone, your family, everyone in your life, their family. I mean, I got divorced after 22 years. That was my family too. Yeah. 22 years. That was my sister-in-law. I still refer to her as my sister-in-law. Right. Because she always will be in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just changes everything. It's so such a blow. Getting divorced, especially after a long marriage, more changes than just losing a husband or a wife. More changes than that. Every aspect of your life has to be different, and you have to figure new shit out. And it's not always easy. It, well, no, no. By I, any means. I think easy is the last word I would assign to it for sure. I mean, both of us were divorced in our 40s. Were you already 40, or were you turning 40? I moved from Michigan to here Okay. right after I turned 40. So we were still together, and the okay. whole reason why we came back to Texas was to save our marriage, live closer to family. We thought that if we if we moved to Texas and we weren't just by ourselves and we had that support system around us that we could pull together. We, when we moved down here, we thought, okay, surround ourselves with family, fix this. Mm -hmm. And it was already really bad. We didn't let our friend group know we were very private in that aspect. I might've shared a few things, I think with you ladies over time. Yeah. I think over the years we, we shared a little bit of just the difficulties of being married Right. Especially when it's... I mean, that's actually what you do as... Absolutely. ...girls. You know, you talk about those things. So. Yeah. I just don't remember how much I had shared with y'all. Because I know whenever we got down here, when I revealed that we were having hard times, everyone here, our fam- both families were shocked. Like, had no idea. They were so blown away because 
we were this picturesque, picture-perfect poster children, you know, marriage. You for, absolutely were. For the Mormon marriages. And I think a huge portion of them thought we were not being honest with it. I think they thought that I was making it up because there's no way that y'all could have been really that bad. I mean, you were this family that we looked at. Right. And saw only good things. Well, that's because that's all I let you know. I never it, let you in behind my closed doors. And Well, yeah, we protect things for a reason, whether that reason be religion, reputation, fear of family, friends, your kids getting hurt. I mean, there's so many reasons that we protect that reality. And and I think it's also partially mm-hmm. our generation. Like, it may be dying down, but for years it was shameful to be divorced. Mm-hmm. Like, you failed in what it's you were supposed to. And I, I think maybe that stigma's dying. I don't know. But Still embarrassing. Though. Yeah. But it is. It's hard for... And then people just look at you like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, hate <laughs> that look. Hate it. Yes. In my case, when we moved down here, I thought, okay, when it got to the decision that we were going to get a divorce... And it happened and he moved out. I thought, well, at least it happened here in Texas so that I'm around my my family. So at least it's happening here. So I, you know, at least have that support. Mm-hmm. Honest to God, and this is, I'm not even like making this up. It was April. So two and a half months after he moved out that a family member stepped foot into my house. Two and a half months. Two and a half months. And a lot of that was our religious culture. Even my church members didn't step foot into my house. And at this time, I wasn't drinking. I was very, very much practicing my religion and took it very seriously and held it very dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. No one came. Like, everyone was in so much shock and made our divorce such a personal thing for them. My parents were upset with me. My church members were upset. Everyone was upset. And of course, because of my past and because of his past, he's the return missionary and I'm the Jezebel from... You bad, bad girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Because of that, it had to be something that I did. So the kids and I went two and a half months without any support whatsoever. And I still had to be a mom and keep my shit together and be a support to my kids whose dad had just, you know, he was still a dad to them, but he moved out of our home. Right. I had no support system. And so I'm trying to keep my shit together for them as a mom. I was losing my shit. I was losing my my best friend. And you don't know how many times that I would put the kids to bed. I mean, they were teenagers by this time. I think my youngest was 12 at the time. I would go and sit in my closet and I would cry and I would call it closet crying because that's the only place... That I I know, I'm sorry. No, don't be. I mean, it's it's emotional shit. (laughs) It is. That's the only place I had that I wouldn't let my kids see that I was dropping my basket. Like, I was dropping my fucking basket. And, like, no one cared. And it was the craziest thing to me and most hurtful and harmful thing to me. It was unfair that I had to keep my shit together as a mom while I was going through that. Where was my outlet to scream and cry and throw shit? And where was my moment? But we spent the last 20 years making everybody think that it was perfect and beautiful and lovely, so we didn't ask for the support. And I think I can speak for you, too. You know, we were just too busy being badass, strong wives and raising great kids and perfect marriage and Keeping look what up we had so it was like blindsiding people i think because they didn't realize that perfect mormon couple or you know is in my case just the long lasting couple who seems so happy and has so much fun together could actually be unhappy and i don't know why people have a hard time with that if it's because they're unhappy and they're afraid that if they talk to us they'll confront some of that or do they fear the choosing i don't know but i had the same thing very few people reached out and i think that i wanted them to reach out, but I didn't know how to ask for help because I hadn't asked for help for so long. I figured shit out on my own. I trained myself not to ask for help. Absolutely. Because you don't ask for help unless you're weak and we weren't weak. Right. And that's what we were taught. Not that that's the truth. No, 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 no. That was the facade that was in my head. I needed to be strong. I needed to show everyone else that life was perfect. Meanwhile, it's all crumbling underneath me. And then when it got to the point where all that came to a head and I actually did need the support. I was 22 years in and I had no idea how to ask for it, 
how to say hey uh, in my closet yeah. crying yeah. like my basket is gone and I need you luckily I have some friends who have been through some shit themselves and they saw it in me and they reached out but not nearly as many people as I thought but I do take responsibility for some of that because I didn't know how to say hey I could use a friend you want to come over and drink some busies with me yeah. and, and shoot the shit and talk I really did not know how to do that at the time because throughout my marriage if we had issues first of all I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone about them the reality was the abuse wasn't supposed to leave the home you know and keep your nose clean right don't let anybody know what's going on in your home right so I had made many many attempts to talk to people throughout the years and I was shut down many times by my ex-husband that you you don't talk about your business outside of the house you talk to me we fix the problems and for some reason that made sense to me i don't know why it, it did me too he was super private yeah and you don't tell family our business i mean that's one of the reasons why we moved so far away it's because we didn't want our family in our business we wanted to break a lot of chains or a lot of cycles right especially on my side so we purposely moved our family away to be our own entity but the problem with that is is that when you do that like you said you don't let other people know that things are going down right you alienate yourself in Mm -hmm. a way i still had all my friends i still had great friends and friends if you're listening this is not a knock to you i swear you had no way of knowing i was suffering because i was a damn good actress at hiding it all but i did i had all these great friends and all these people and i think you and maybe two other people are the only ones that knew that life wasn't great behind closed doors but i was taught by the ex that you don't talk about that you know it can't ruin his reputation so for your ex i think it was the family reputation especially in the church like that's important that unified we are the poster child of the perfect family and for me it was just that facade of we have a great marriage everything's fabulous and wonderful and no one needs to know that i'm being called a stupid bitch every day behind closed doors because that's private stuff and so i hid that and hid that and hid that so then when I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm done with this, I think it was completely mind-blowing to probably 90% of the people yeah. who know me because they were like, wait, how? You're strong, you're opinionated. I mean, I'm six foot one, so, you know, <laughs> physically I'm not scared of anyone. But man, the words, they just cut right in and, and nobody saw that coming. So nobody saw like, oh man, she needs support. She needs someone to be there. So yeah, I was alone for the first time, I think, ever. Yeah. There were moments before I married him that, you know, I had some pretty dark years, but that was the first time I'd been alone because he was legit. He and my kids were everything to me. You know, he was my best friend in every aspect. And even during the bad times, at least he was still my best friend. The problem that I have is that right after we moved back, you know, and I did reach out to family and explain what was going on and everything. And I come from a family where everyone gets, you know, some people are on their second, third, but I've seen the family you know, go in and and support. Mm -hmm. But because we were so private, I didn't get that same support that I had seen in my family over generations, you know, because I don't come from a family where you marry one person, you say married 50 years. You know, that's just, it's rare in my family. It happens, but it's very rare. So I was expecting that support. I knew when I was like 39, Mm -hmm. I knew that, okay, it was right before we moved to Texas. I knew I was going back and there was a huge chance that we were going to end up divorced because it takes two to fix a marriage. And at that time there was only one trying. Right. And that was me. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I might actually be divorced in my forties. And I was, you know, 65, 70 pounds overweight. And I was like, I'm going into my forties, potentially divorced and unhappy and overweight. And I hate myself, you know, all this stuff. So I had already started losing weight not because I thought I was going to get divorced, but because at the same time, I'm thinking maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem. And Oh my gosh, how many so, of us go through that? If I was just thinner, yeah, sexier, prettier, maybe, you know, crazier, I, like whatever, yeah, name your adjective. Yeah. But if you just fit that role, like things would work out. I think I took the brunt of that too for the entire marriage. Like it's on me. I'm doing something wrong. I'm not dressing right for my age or I'm... <laughs> dressing too old or it was always like oh, what am I doing wrong what yeah, am I absolutely doing wrong? Yeah. and I thought that when I first started my weight loss journey I thought if I lose this weight he will be more attracted to me and even though he was overweight as well but I, you know I thought at least one of us is trying here right and my family saw that as oh well she's losing weight and so right after the divorce the very first question that was asked to me from anybody in my family was did you have an affair wow 
Because not, God forbid you take care of your health. Yeah, not anything else. Not, hey, what's the story? What happened? Like <laughs> That seems like the easiest question, and no one asks it. I lost weight, so therefore I was obviously having an affair because I lost weight. He didn't. So of course. That crushed me because I'm already in the depths of hell. I'm already right. as low as low can be. And that's how you approach me as a divorced woman in my 40s. You ask me if I had an affair. Right. You don't come around for two and a half months. And then when you do, you ask me if I had an affair. I think that spiraled. Like, I didn't drop my basket. I took that bitch and I punted it. I was like, <laughs> I went off the rails for a little bit because I, I lost totally get it. my God-blessed mind. I was so angry and hurt by every single person almost in my life that I was just ready to give everybody the finger at that point and, you know, did a lot of shit I probably shouldn't have done. And well, but I think that's just part of the healing. I I can't wait to hear from other people who have been through this, but I went through the same exact thing where I just was so lost and so broken and like, oh shit, now what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I just started trying to like, okay, maybe that means I should try this. Maybe that means I should do this. Maybe that means I'm supposed to live like this. I think that's natural. That has to be natural. You went through it. I went through it. I have friends that went through it. It's just this like, okay, I'm single now. What does that mean? (laughs) I'm still a 40 something year old woman who's supposed to have this reputation and I still want my kids to be healthy and and see me as a role model, but I'm losing my shit and my mental health is gone. I probably should be (laughs) institutionalized and I do not say that as a joke. No. Like I was at the bottom and like not even funny no oh, yeah. moments yeah and i think both my daughters will vouch for that because when we left we left as a package my daughters don't talk to their dad either we were all mentally and emotionally abused so we all took off and so then i need to be responsible for their mental health they just severed relationship with their father i mean mm-hmm. that's heavy And so I want to be there for them. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, geez, what what am I doing with myself? You know, it's like the scene in The Wizard of Oz where everything starts going in the tornado. And there's my kids going by and they need me. And there's me not knowing what the hell. I'm like the witch on the bike. Like, where am I going? (laughs) No, I fully understand and agree. You just you feel so lost in that moment. And I would love to hear other people's thoughts and their own experiences, because we can't be alone on that. You know, and and I've talked to friends who, you know, I've had that same experience. A lot of them I've talked to because I have the church aspect from it where I thought, okay, you know, I'm losing my husband, my best friend for Mm -hmm. almost 20 years and three kids that each one of them was acting out in a different way and it was affecting them in a completely different way because they're different humans. Absolutely. I've got my family and all their different judgments. I've got my church, you know, I still went and every time I walked through the door, it was like I was bringing the divorce plague. Anytime I touched someone. (laughs) Don't touch her, he'll catch it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like anytime I touched someone, their perfect little marriage was going to be, you know, it was like it was going to travel up their arm and (laughs) into their marriage. And I was like, it was almost like, you know, when you go through the fun house and the floor is like this and you're supposed to walk on it that's how i felt walking every single fucking day that is such an analogy yeah that's so i wasn't on solid ground no matter where Mm -hmm. i went and on top of this another fourth aspect to that was my friends so many of my friends played different roles we have some intense moments to uh to recollect yeah for sure because i know we've shared those throughout the years and but i think the thing that the most besides the friends because i'll share my feelings on that in a minute (laughs) the thing that got me the most and tell me if you experienced this was while i'm walking on this floor that's trying to turn me upside down and i'm trying to get my footing every freaking time i turned around it wasn't the woman that was reaching out going hey hun are you okay it was the married man of that relationship reaching out because i put up a front on social media like i was fine i'm going through this but i'm fine you know right right I'm ready to jump off a cliff. Mm-hmm. We're reaching out and sliding into my DMs and all that going, hey, you look amazing. And now I have to deal with the fact that my friends' husbands are reaching out to me. And I'm not bragging on that. It disgusted me. Right, right. That like, is not something to, to no, be proud of. Of course not. It actually hurt me even further. And now I don't believe in marriage at all. Right. And is that what I am to you? Like just some sexual being that you want to pretend to worry about my feelings and then turn it sexual as fast as you can? No, I totally had that happen. And with some people that I have been friends with, the husband and wife, for years and years and years, and all of a sudden I had, I mean, I can count them on one hand, but still, uh, enough 
people that I was really shocked. I had several men married, single, dating someone, whatever the case was, but they pretended like they cared about what I was going through emotionally. But once I started letting my guard down and was like, oh, he cares about me. And then I would start, well, yeah, I'm okay. And, you know, mm-hmm. things are going a little rough. And 10 minutes later, it's it's trying to be turned sexual. And okay, well, damn, I thought yeah. you were really going to be here for me. And, and you're not. And that's not at all no. what you wanted to no. be. I learned that lesson so fast. No. And they would always start with, hey, and they would mention their wives. And they'd say, oh, so-and-so and I are concerned with you. And so you think they're reaching out as a couple. Absolutely. And they're they're not. Now I've got that guilt because my friend who hasn't even bothered to reach out to me, <laughs> Now I know, because now I know that she's not involved. Mm -hmm. Now I've got the guilt knowing that her husband is reaching out to me and saying things that eventually turned inappropriate. Right. And she's probably not reaching out to you because she's married to him and she's dealing with that shit. And she's going to be a guest on our podcast. Very true. I mean, I, I think the instability of fidelity became super obvious to me in that point. And my ex-husband cheated. I can't even tell you how many times he cheated. (laughs) It would seem like I would be used to that and I would be prepared for that, but I I wasn't at all. I just needed emotional support and I think I was so needy and so broken. I did. I walked right into it like, oh, thank you. I I thought it was sincere. Absolutely. Finally, a listening ear. If someone is actually reaching out and asking if I'm okay, no, you're not. You're asking if you stand a chance. Like, literally, I had one ask for nudes. I saved the message because he's like, I don't want to be inappropriate. Well, I'm sure that's inappropriate. (laughs) If you have to start a sentence with, I don't want to be inappropriate, then you probably shouldn't finish this sentence. Exactly. And follow it with, but, you know, if you want to send nudes, are you fucking kidding me? Like, if I could have climbed through a phone, I would have. Seriously. I don't know what I would have done. Like, if he had been in this country and me able to drive to him, I I would have hurt him because I was so low at that time. Oh, yeah. And you're vulnerable when you're that low because it, I don't know about you, but my mind plays tricks on me. Like, well, maybe they really do want to be supportive, but at the same time, they're flirting. Yeah. I don't know. I would try to justify things in my head, but no, I mean, it's all bullshit. Well, we as women try to justify that kind of shit all the right. time. Right. Like we, you're horny we're, we're and trained. you just want pictures, but I'm going to try to pretend like... You care about my yeah. feelings for a we're, second. We're trained to take that kind of conversation and think it's cute. You're right. You know, we really, truly are, as yeah. women, trained for that. And I don't want to say luckily, I was low enough that I said some things I shouldn't have. I went off, I lost my mind on each and every one of them. They need to be put in their place or they're going to continue to do that. And I'm, I'm sorry, gentlemen, if you don't agree, but that's preying on women at their weakest point in their lives. Yeah. Like, if you want to support me, be a good guy and support me. If you're horny, like, go on Tinder and find someone to flirt with that will send you nudes. Don't plow through my insecurities and my lowest point of my life. And betray our friendship. Oh, my gosh. And then you're asking me to keep the secret. Like, now what do I do? Do I tell your wife that yeah. you just now totally... Now destroy your marriage? Right, right. You want to put me in that position where I can destroy your marriage because I have messages for days yeah. of you trying to get me to flirt with you? Do I hold that in? I don't know. You do care about that other person that doesn't know. And you right. would want her to tell you if it was you, but... But do you want to destroy their marriage? You know their kids <laughs> and you know her and... And you know how you're feeling at that moment. And do you want anyone else in your life to ever feel like that? Yeah. Of course not. Nobody ever wants to feel like we felt. And like most people, I'm sure, feel when you first get divorced and you're alone for the first time in decades. And you don't know how you feel. You don't know if you're going to sleep. You don't know what to think. Your whole life is in shambles. And do you want to cause that to someone else? Yeah. But at the same time, do you want to let... And I'm sure there's her cases. uh, We're just speaking from our experience. But do you want to let him continue to get away with it? Because, you know, once they hit a brick wall with us, you know they're going on to the next person. Yep. Cheating is a thing. Mm -hmm. Period. We really, like, we have a target on our heads. Like, she's weak and vulnerable. Why don't you take advantage of her? Exactly. Totally. And I can't imagine how many women fall into that. We're fairly strong, so we were able to say no, but I can't imagine how many people's marriages get ruined by stuff like that because the spouse was trying to offer, you know, moral support. I say yeah. in air quotes, but you know, then it leads if you catch the right weak person, it leads to something and then all of a sudden you've got another affair and then you're ruining someone else's marriage and yeah. make them feel like you feel and it puts so much added stress on you that you didn't have to have or you didn't need to have. Absolutely. I had enough shit going on. The last thing on earth I needed were these men trying to reach out for all the wrong reasons. For nudes. You can see boobs online for free. Leave me alone. I'm trying to deal with my shit. (laughs) Wrong time, bro. 
First of all, you're married. It's never the right time. That's true. But definitely don't take advantage of me when I'm already down and yeah. feeling terrible about myself. And No, because uh, I did. I had some single guys, like friends that were not married, but yeah. I had some single guys too. And even though like that wasn't as bad because they're not attached to someone necessarily, it was still taking advantage of someone at their weakest point. And that's yeah. just shitty. It just is. Shows and, who you are as a human being. And, uh, and what you need is, you know, someone to just, like you said earlier, someone to just say, hey, Hey, sounds like life's shitty right now. <laughs> can I help? Yeah. Like, can we go have a beer and I'll oh, let you vent for hours? You know, that's what we need. Or I know you don't drink coffee, but can we go meet at a coffee shop at one in the morning and sit for hours on end while you need to be sleeping because I need you to help me through my divorce because that's what friends do? Or is that what you're talking about? Oh, you know, that sounds vaguely familiar. <sighs> So should we reach over into the friend zone? Because I have to tell you, I figured out so fast who my true friends were. And this does not go out to anyone who stayed silent because I know sometimes you just don't know what to say. Right. You know, you're like, shit, that sucks. What do I say? Do I say, hey, sucks? Or, yeah. Hey, I can't add anything to <laughs> right. it. Like, what What do you say? If you've never been in that situation, you know, you don't know what to say. Just a quick example. My dad had cancer. And so I went with him through all of that. And so now if I know someone who is diagnosed with cancer or someone who has a family member with cancer, I address it. And yeah. I'm not I'm not awkward about it because I've been through it and I right. know it's needed mm-hmm. to say, hey, that sucks that you're going through chemo. How are you feeling? Are you weak? Are you sick? Do you need anything? But if you've never been through a divorce, I think you don't necessarily know what someone needs. But there's a difference between those people who stay silent, who are just like, shit, I love her to death, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. There's those friends, but then there's the friends that just go off the deep end and do something counterintuitive to your friendship when you need them the most. Yeah. And that is what baffled me. Like, we've been friends for over 15 years, and you can't pick up a phone or drive to my place that you've been to a thousand times Mm -hmm. and look me in the eye and say, dude, what the hell? Here, I brought you some coffee, or I brought you a drink, or I brought you flowers, or I brought you an ear. Yeah, a hug. Yeah, a (laughs) hug. A hug. Yeah. I like to refer to it as when you turn the divorce light on, friends scatter like roaches. You truly, there's those brains. Brave souls that just stand there and look. <laughs> but the majority of them, I mean, absolutely freaking scatter. And, and that's the last thing we need at that time. Yeah. We are, for the most part, alone for the first time in at least years, in our mm-hmm. case, decades. And I mean, I went from my parents' house to my roommate's house in college living with my husband. I had never lived alone, mm-hmm. ever, until I got divorced. And then I had, you know, my girls with me. But as an adult, I have never dealt with all of that by myself before. And And you can't talk to your kids because that's a terrible thing to do. Oh, that's divorce rule number one. Like, don't trash talk the other parent in front of your kids, right? Don't tell them what you're going through because they're kids. So you don't want to put that on them. Right. But where's your outlet? And and in my case, I didn't have to hide things from my girls because they had also been emotionally and verbally abused. So (laughs) we were all aware of what we had just gone through. But they were dealing with so much. I mean, they're dealing with being, how old were they at that time? 19 and 15. And all of a sudden, their dad's out of their life. That's a lot of shit. And man, I should have been there for them. Sorry, I'm going to crack my voice. No. But I should have been there for them. But I was lost. I I didn't know how. And, and I needed someone 100%. to be like, Cheryl, what do you need? You know? In those moments, that's when we needed someone. And, you know, you and I are very lighthearted and we're very fun and we're very, for those that know Cheryl and I in real life, I mean, we will, <laughs> someone will say something that will remind us of a song and we'll just sing the whole freaking song and you'll have to wait till we're done. Because yeah. we, it's in unison and we know every part of it. Yes. So. <laughs> we harmonize and, and the backups and the beat that goes with <laughs> It's coming. It's coming, guys. We promise. <laughs> This is that part of divorce that makes us so hurt and angry that you and I had very similar experiences where we had no one. Your parents, unfortunately, had passed away just before. And my parents chose to assume that, you know, I had done something wrong because I had ridden that perfect Mormon marriage. Right. And you were skinny. 
And I was skinny. What's wrong with so you? <laughs> clearly, I was, you know, jumping on every dating app out there before my marriage was over. Right. Not true. By the way, <laughs> I was just trying to get a little spark going back in my marriage. And to be going through all of that and having to keep your shit together to be strong for your kids and having no one be strong for you, that fucking sucks. And there's no other way to put it. And there's no other way that it's going to be put. It is what it is. I've been there with friends through their divorces. You know, I've gone at two o'clock in the morning when I didn't drink coffee and I've sat in coffee shops and I've listened to someone who was going through a divorce because that's what a friend is for and that's what you do. That's what you do. Absolutely. And we get an array of of friends after you divorce and this is kind of where all this is leading to. You've got that type that is a ride or die and they're there for you unless you do something after your divorce that they don't necessarily agree with and then they disappear. You know, I did have a couple that would talk to me on the phone because they weren't physically in Texas. Right. And they would talk to me on the phone Anytime we would start talking about my divorce, it would somehow end up back on their experiences, which is, I I get if that's the only way they know how to help, that's fine. And I'm not judging that. It was just sometimes I needed to get more out and we ended up, I ended up being more of a consoler than I was someone who needed to be consoled. But the minute you don't do something, it's this facade of, oh, she's my ride or die. And then... In your single life, your new single life, and you know, in your 40s, you do something that doesn't fit their narrative. And next thing you know, they're nowhere to be found. It was a die. (laughs) (laughs) Ride or die? I think I'm going to die here. Fuck your ride. Sorry. (laughs) Jump right off that cliff and leave you. So. Yeah, so I've, I definitely experienced that type of friend where. Oh, yeah. I did too. I had a. Traditional. Oh, and and that's exactly what your ride or die is supposed to not be mm-hmm. conditional, but hence the ride or die. <laughs> yeah, so death to you all. Just kidding. No, we don't. We don't wish death upon you, but no. maybe a little bit of suffering for leaving us, <laughs> leaving us out to dry on our own. So, but I, I had the same problem with. Uh, we had some really close family friends, and they had recently gone through some really tough shit with. Uh, with their oldest and severe health issues. We didn't know if he was going to make it like bad. And, uh, and we were at the hospital every weekend. We were there for necessary surgeries. I mean, it was, um, we were there ride or dies. We would have done anything for them. And we did. And then I, I posted something on Facebook about needing people to help me move. Cause I was moving into my new apartment and, uh, and I got a text from, from the oldest son, actually, that said, uh, LOL, my mom and grandma are talking at the kitchen table and trying to figure out why you got divorced. Like, you know what? (laughs) This is someone that I've been friends with and I've been through some extreme stuff with and you can't even pick up a phone and or text me. I mean, yeah, text me. I don't care if you don't have the time to talk because your mom's visiting. Text me. Hey, are you okay? Yeah. But instead, we you're just, just going to... saw that you're moving. What can we do to help? Absolutely. But instead, you're just going to sit there and gossip about why my marriage is ending? And your son's going to, you know, ha- has been raised to think that it's okay to reach out and say... <laughs> they're gossiping LOL. about you. LOL. They think, you know, they're yeah. wondering why you got divorced. How sad is it when your your kid's more emotionally intelligent than you are? And yeah, that was definitely one of our ride or die families. And now they're very close with my ex-husband. Yeah. So whatever, you know, I think that's part of divorce. The The couples kind of divide where they need to divide and, and whatever. But once I figured out that there was no support there, I was happy to let them go. And uh, it, it's a sad thing to say that you, uh, you know, can just let friendships go after that long but when you realize that they're not supporting you anyway you just I think you're already at such a low place that it's like man I need you right now and if you can't be here for me I can't give you anything else I have nothing to give you in this moment right I I don't and that that's when my ride or die I mean she was you know how close oh she was your best 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 friend absolutely we were so close and when I made a dating choice that she didn't approve of that's when you know she ended you know death to our friendship oh is that everyone else's decision not yours no that's yeah see i'm learning these things you're you're a few years ahead of me in the dating game so just so you know (laughs) dripping with sarcasm (laughs) there are there are people's rules that you need to keep in mind for your 
progression in in your single life. So, oh. you, yeah, if you want to keep them in your life, take notes. You have to, you know, follow their rules if you want to keep them in your life. So, so don't go find your own happiness. No, no, that's not. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> okay, we're going to retract that sarcasm yeah. for a second. <laughs> Yeah. You can only have so much sarcasm at a time. Well, dripping, that's not true because we could go forever yeah, with the sarcasm. Yes, we can. Um, but yeah, I totally feel you on that. I think it's, uh, you find out, and this is such a, a popular thing to say during hard times in your life, but you find out who your true friends are and yeah. you find out fast. And like one of the, the people that I worked with, we had been best, best friends for 14, 15 years. And uh, he had recently remarried after a pretty rough divorce himself. And his wife, that I barely knew, reached out to me and said, hey, I, I heard you're going through this. You know, we've recently been through this. I know you're staying at a hotel because you had to leave your house. You want to come live with us for a while? That's the kind of friends you need. Yeah. That's who you're looking for. And I did. I went and lived with them, you know, with the girls for a few weeks. Just uh, it was either that or pay you know, the hotels every night and they saved me shitloads of money. They gave me support. They let my girls move in. And I should say that in their blended family, they have five kids. So we're talking about a house with seven people, two dogs, some cute little fish. (laughs) (laughs) And then they, they welcome me in without knowing the situation, without asking questions. And I got to know the wife through that route and she had been through that route already she had been divorced so she knew how to reach out and how to how to say hey are you okay and I barely knew her and now she's one of my best 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 friends they both are so you know husband and wife just amazing people but that's who you need you need those people who are like damn it sucks for you right now what can we do for you I think had I stayed in Michigan that I would have had a better support system it my whole thinking was if I moved down here to where my family was, that I, I would have a support system while we repaired our marriage. Mm-hmm. And then when it went south, I was like, I, I actually remember thinking, well, thank goodness I'm, you know, divorced in Texas around my family. So now I have them as a support because I I know how my family supports divorced women. Right. And they didn't come. They they weren't there. They they didn't. No one reached out, you know, and then the accusations and the rumors and the peep, 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 peep yeah, happened. Because how could you cause this? Right, which right. devastated me further. But I think in my case, it was that had I stayed in Michigan, I'm, you know, you and I at the time weren't, you know, the closest of friends. Right. We got, you know, back together. But I mm-hmm. think, I definitely think that even though you and I were, had that fallen out, I know you would have reached out had I, it happened in Michigan and you known and still had been that type of situation. But in my case, being here in Texas, it was, I had no one. I I didn't have any friends. I'd only been here six months. Right. I, and I, you weren't back in your hometown. So no. it's not like you could call up people you've known from earlier. Right. I, I had literally been here six months and I was surrounded by no one. And it was, it was devastating. And then the ride or die friend, eventually when I started dating and not being forever single and in my misery, like some people wanted me to be, that's when that ended. The other day, you and I were talking about in this episode, how women and men for that matter, and I'm not sure if men, you know, handle divorce differently, but it almost makes me think. I would love to have a man on here to tell us his side of it. So we're only going to deal with the woman side of it. But you and I were talking about the different types of friends, you know, the ride or die unless you do something that doesn't fit their description of how a divorced woman should act. Right. Or the ones that check out completely because they, they feel bad for you, but they don't really know how to talk about it. Right. Um, So they just avoid you (laughs) altogether, altogether, (laughs) which is super helpful. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then you have the, the gossipers, which in your case, were sitting at their kitchen table instead of helping you move or reaching out. Right. They were sitting at their kitchen table talking about what possibly could have happened in your marriage. Right. Then you've had the ones that make it about them. Oh my God. Um, I was telling you about this. So I had, <laughs> and we both had this happen, yes. which is incredible. Yes. So uh, listen up if you're not divorced, because we're going to tell you the exact thing to never, ever, ever, ever say yes. to your friends going through shit. So I know both of us had this happen to us. Um, someone reached out and I didn't realize that they had unfriended me on all, you know, social media. And, and I know they friended me. So when I accepted their friendship, 
instantly the message comes through. And it was this 10 paragraph novel. She apologizes that she unfriended me from everything. But whenever I was going through my divorce, it was very hard on her. Oh. And it was hard for her to watch it and to live through it and it, how much it affected her and how sad it made her to watch such a wonderful couple struggling so much. It never dawned on her sweet little mind <laughs> that perhaps she should reach out and stay in it and even reach out to both of us, you know, to say, hey, I have to pick a team. Are you okay? And are you okay? Absolutely. It, instead, it was just completely unfriend me, take me, shut me out of her life so that way she doesn't have to deal with it. Well, what I got are you making s- her life hard for? Yeah, I got so tired of people telling me how hard my divorce was on them. I was like, oh. it, it even turned me into a little bit of a bitch where I would say, oh, I'm sorry. Was my divorce really hard on you? And I would respond like that. And I know they were like, oh, <laughs> well, what what a bitch. Yeah, I'm being a bitch. I'm being a sarcastic bitch right now because on purpose. Fuck you, I needed you. <laughs> I'm sorry that my divorce was so hard on you. Can you imagine what it was like on me and my kids and even my ex? Like, holy shit, don't make my divorce about you. Yeah. Are, are you kidding me? And it was more than one person who did that. Like, don't do that to people. Don't. If you're out there, don't do that to people. (laughs) We're talking to you. (laughs) That's a terrible thing to do. It is a terrible thing. And I had someone do the same thing. I moved into an apartment complex from our house, and my apartment had a pool. A family, friends, kids. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry about the bag. I'm reaching into Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids are really sour, but they're good. like set up we spent a decent amount of time in the pool because we just needed to like where is our stress-free just let us be zone for a while and it became the pool so the Mm -hmm. girls and I were in the pool all the time so I had some family friends over and um well family friends kids over and they were swimming with us and in this particular instance one of them needed to get picked up early for an appointment and the parents showed up and said exactly that same thing to me. Like, hey, how how are things going besides the obvious? Like, you know what? <laughs> the obvious is really all that's going right now. Like, what do you want me to tell you? The sun's out and there's a sale on Coke at Target. Like, I I don't know what the fuck you're expecting me to, to uh, besides the obvious. My whole life just fell apart. Yeah. And so, of course, I, I still was really weak at that point. And I laugh um, only because I... Because you've been there. No, I, I totally get it. <laughs> I laugh at the stupidity right. of it. Like, honestly, do. And, yeah, and this person totally said to me, besides the obvious, and then I started talking a little bit, and I was like, oh, besides the obvious. Well, yeah, things have been pretty hard. And I was told that same exact thing. Like, yeah, it's been really hard for us to watch you guys go through this. Yeah. That that question just sticks in my head so much to this day, because that was maybe three weeks after I had filed for divorce. I was a mess. Mm-hmm. The girls and I just had our lives torn apart no, because it's they uncomfortable. Don't, besides obvious, they don't want to talk about that part. Right. How's it going otherwise? Right. Because that's hard on them. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hurt your feelings, so let me not talk about reality. Yeah. Let's just, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Do like, me a favor. Just don't fucking ask me how I'm doing. Right. How's that? Yeah. Or if you're going to ask, then know that I'm in the middle of the hardest time of my life. Yeah. My dad just died two months ago. I just left my husband of 22 years. I'm sorry, but if you want to chit-chat about the weather, you're with the wrong fucking There's person a right now. obvious going on. Right you, you can go find Susie down the road. She's living life. It's beautiful. Yeah. She just had a garage sale. She wants to tell you all about the weather. I, however, yeah. am going through hell. So either stick by me, support me, ask how you can support me. It's the simplest question. Yeah. What can I do for you? Yeah. Just listen. Maybe just Just listen. listen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Don't tell me I can talk to you, but everything but the obvious, because that's hard. Or don't turn it into your story. Mm -hmm. If you meet someone in the middle of the night because you're going through shit, don't turn it into being about yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you have to separate your reality from someone else's reality. And, I mean, we're at the point now where we're in our mid-40s, so... We've done stuff, and we've seen stuff, and we've experienced stuff. So anytime someone brings up a story, we probably have a Me Too moment. Yeah. Like, I went through that. But you can't 
you can't just throw that in every time. Like your friends need you to listen. They don't need you to to say, "Oh, me too." Oh, well, you think that's bad? Yeah. Let me one up you with my story. Exactly. Like, that's not what it's about. We just need for someone to say, "Are you okay? What's going on?" Like it's not a secret. Yeah. Yeah. My my twenty two year marriage just came to an end. You can I'm- probably look at my face during that time and tell that I am going through a bunch of shit. Like, I think I'm hiding my feelings, but people can look at me and immediately go, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was me, too. Like, like you're either um, miserable right now, you haven't slept, or you're drunk. Yeah. Because you look like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course it's hard on you. It's hard on any of us when, when someone in the friend group gets divorced, and now it's happened to half of us in our friend group, so we should be getting used to this by now. But to the people who are still intact, or even if they're not intact... You should have some sort of support for your friends. Yeah, both sides. Like it, it, Absolutely. It's, it's okay. It's okay to ask my ex how he's doing and ask me how I'm doing. Don't be that gossiper that goes in between and, and screenshot this and tell that. Oh Don't be gosh. that person. It, it's okay. I'm not going to get mad because you're still friends with him. And I know some people are like that. But if you had that conversation with me, you would know I was the one. I literally was the one that, it's sad, I had to reach out to people and be like. Isn't that Backwards. Oh I, I, I had to reach out to people, and because I knew he was going through some shit, I reached out and said, "Hey, will you check on him?" Mm-hmm. And they would say, "Sure." Not, "Oh yeah, absolutely." And how are you doing? Instead, they would just go, "Oh yeah, absolutely." And then sometimes I would hear back, and sometimes I wouldn't. It became very clear that I was the because I'm the one that said I fought for three years. I can't fight anymore. I can't live in this toxicity anymore it's not changing and and i threw out the ultimatum that he couldn't handle everyone you know took that as my fault and okay i own it but if i'm still reaching out to check on him that means that that there's still some love there and i do care about him right and i do so you don't have to pick a team there are those that automatically feel like they have to pick a team and, and you honestly don't you can you can be friends to both of us still and you absolutely can, you know, I know it gets weird and I know it gets awkward and, and I'm not saying it doesn't, but just, I guess at the end of the day, having gone through this and experiences with my friends and family, I now know how to support someone, a man and a woman going through divorce because of the fact that I know exactly what not to do. Absolutely. And I know what you need and I know what it feels like to have no one offer it to you. Now that I know that you and I have, you know, lived in two different states and two different situations and had the same story, I will be very anxious when we launch this podcast to hear how listeners have had similar situations or different situations and see, you know, maybe they're, they're going to say something that's going to spark. Oh yeah, that happened too, you know? Yeah. And, you know, cause I'm sure there's things I haven't thought about. Divorce is almost worse than death in my opinion. And I'm going to say, in my opinion, divorce is worse than death because to me, if I, I always thought if I lost him to death, at least I know the love was always there. And, there, you know, there weren't all these these questions that I have now where, you know, how can you just give up? How can you, you know, just move on? How can you, you know, have the separate life and I still have to see them and I have to pretend that he's not, wasn't my best friend for almost 20 years. And, you know, we don't have all these inside jokes and we don't have all this intimacy that... We don't, you know, it, it's so, so devastating to come into face to face contact with this man and, or, you know, phone calls to have to deal and know he's out there. Well, because you are grieving. You're grieving someone who's still there, right? But someone <laughs> who's still breathing. And that, it's so hard. I totally get what you mean because death is final and you know, like, damn, this sucks, but there's there nothing, nothing I can, I can do. do. So my situation was a little different because I cut ties completely with him, as did my daughters, because of the abuse. And he, of course, knew I had the power to ruin him. I had been hiding his reputation for 22 years. I knew who he was. His daughters knew who he was. We have all of this information that all of a sudden we don't have to keep secret. Do we out him and be complete? I don't even want to say bitches because I feel like... I feel like that's what we we would be called. Right, right. But at the same time it's just our reality. So do we do we ruin who he is to everyone else? 
or do we just, we just hope take it on the chin or do we just hope the right people support us and take it on the chin? That's exactly how it was. And some people cared enough to find out the truth. And some people just, you know, they picked their team. They went with what they needed to go with and they couldn't handle understanding that this person that they knew and loved and was a good friend to them had this whole dark side to him. Maybe that was hard for them to deal with. I don't know. So it was a little bit different because I wasn't watching out for him. But we still had all these friends that were perfectly happy with me and the girls, uh, the version of ourselves that were hiding right. all of this. And they so, would prefer, some of them would prefer you to remain in hiding and not share that. But I know that he had a whole different narrative about what happened because mm-hmm. God forbid his reputation get dirtied even the littlest yeah. bit. So I'm I'm the nasty, horrible cheater. Not true at all, <laughs> but yeah. you know, that's the story he had to go with. And so I did lose some friends over that. To this day, you, you're labeled, you know, the nasty, horrible cheater to some, and that hurts. And to this day, there's still a huge portion of my friends and family that, you know, I'll see them at Christmas and I have to hug them and smile and know that they literally thought that, <clears throat> excuse me, my mm-hmm. divorce happened because I cheated. Isn't that interesting <clears throat> though, that we, we had such different backgrounds but the easiest go-to was, oh, she cheated. Yeah. And in my case, it, it wasn't even him that was spreading that rumor or saying those things. They just automatically assumed because there's no reason why a return missionary who pulled this Jezebel up from, you know, the depths of hell and married her anyway, which wasn't true. But... I just wasn't going to church and inactive and partying my ass off when I met him. Which you do when you're in your 20s, but whatever. But, I mean, I was 22 when I got married. You know, I just last year been 21 and was finally drinking legal, you know. so (laughs) We never drank before we were 21. What are you talking about? I meant never. But (laughs) And then, you know, I turned my life around and I lived this, you know, perfect temple holding, you know, recommend holding Mormon mother, wife, life. For 18 years and didn't, you know, maybe drop the F word a handful of times when life just got really hard. And I don't think I ever heard it out of you. No, I was very, I was very careful, very careful, didn't drink and didn't smoke and didn't, you know, this idyllic Mormon life. And so when it fell apart, the assumption automatically was on me. I must have destroyed it. You know, it couldn't be his fault because he had saved me. So it couldn't be his fault. And we were so private and everything that, you know. The, the one time when I saw it was going bad, I actually, I love my mom and I, I never want to speak ill of her because of I would, not. I would literally kill for her. But the one thing that, you know, I was telling her that I feel like we we're headed for a divorce and I was going to then tell her all the things that was going on. Cause at the time for three years, I was the only one fighting for our marriage. You know, he had, he had checked out and I'll never forget. I had, she was dropping me off at work. She was visiting. She was dropping me off at work and she put her hand on my leg and she said, I'm going to stop you right there. Are you having an affair? Oh and I was gosh. like, what? That's your what? mom, your own mom. It's like, I'm fixing to tell you about how I think I'm losing my marriage and how I'm fighting for it. And I was going to get your advice on how to s- help me save it because everything right. I'm doing isn't working. And you're asking me if I'm having an affair, like you're, you're putting it all back on me without even hearing What's going on? And oh, that had to hurt. That, that's when I first started to realize I was going to be in this alone. Like, I, I divorced or not, I was in this alone. And that, that was devastating. Oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, from your, from your own parent. And to, uh, that was hard for me too, like to realize that I had kept my nose so clean. I mean, in my, in my public life, I'm a middle school teacher, I didn't swear. I didn't do anything ever that could be caught. You know, we all have our little phones with us. Yeah. I, there was never going to be a scandal like, oh, look at never. look at our Spanish teacher. You know, I, yeah. I was a good person. And all of a sudden, I have this, like, oh, my gosh, I have to upset people moment. And I... I was always the one to keep things clean. I keep my reputation clean. My marriage looks beautiful, beautiful to everyone. Yeah. And for the first time... I think ever, I've thought about it several times, and I think ever in my life, I had to learn to be okay with people thinking lies about me. Yeah. And that's hard. Oh, it's so hard. You want to go fight and correct it and and get, want them, you want so desperately for them to hear you, but 
It's not worth it. No, it, and that's the thing is it's not because if they're going to believe it that easily, how good of friends were they to begin with? Yeah. And the people who love me and who know me for me took the time to say, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. You left your husband after 22 years. You guys looked so happy. Yeah. What fell apart? And those were my my true writer dies yeah. that, that definitely stuck by me, took the time to listen to me, didn't assume things despite what rumors he was spreading. And so if you're one of those, I appreciate you and love you very much. Well, Thank in my you. case, you, we connected right after my divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still going through it yeah. and we connected cause my daughter was coming out to visit your daughter and we hadn't spoken in a couple of years. And so, uh, we reached out to talk about that. And I remember you asking me and here we were, you know, not the closest of friends, in fact, had some history, but we, we had been best, best, best friends, friends before yes. that. Right. And you asked me, how are you? And you, you, I remember we talked for, oh geez, hours. Yeah. And you just let me talk. And, and I remember that you were the first person to do that. And that's, that speaks volumes of your character because you didn't know that I didn't have anybody. Like now literally you're making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, it, it means a lot to me that you were that person that I finally, after months of being alone with nobody, you know, no Mormon friends, no family, no friends in general, you were the first person to say, Bana, how are you? How are things going? And you let me just vomit. And I'm sure that's exactly what I did. And I, I can't thank you enough for that. Aww. So, well, I'm glad I could, could be there for you. I just really, truly, I'm crying again because I'm a little premenstrual <laughs> and I'm also extremely emotional. So, this will not be the first or last time I cry on this no. podcast. Cheryl no. cries. It's what she does. Um, but I, I, I don't remember like intentionally doing that. I just think that's what friends do. We both know that our argument was over a huge misunderstanding, yeah. and we were going through so much shit that it, I think instead of dealing with it, it was just easier to be like, okay. We'll get back to this when we can deal yeah. with it. I'm I'm on full right yeah. now. You know, yeah, I and, can't deal with the friendship when I'm my marriage is so so bad. Well, yeah, yeah, your marriage, other friendships, like so much was going on, and I had my marriage, the death of my parents, like we both were overflowing yeah. with shit that was going on, and so I I don't ever remember like oh I should I should see how mine is doing, but I just think that when when you're meant to be close with someone or really good friends with someone, you just you just care yeah. and you reach out and you say, Hey, how are you? And I think that's how, after I filed for divorce, I found out so quickly who my, who my true friends are. And I, I feel like that's such a cliche, but it's true. It's so true. It's so true. And, and I made some new friends that knew where I was coming from and were able to say, Hey, been there, done that. <laughs> I know yeah. life sucks right now. Let me be your friend. And, uh, and those people, man, are they important? Yeah. No, I, I fully 100% agree. And I am thankful that you're down here in Texas with me and that we're doing this podcast. And I think it was, I think it just all has come full circle and we're supporting each other. And I know that I have a few more years on you in the, the divorce world, but that not that I have any wisdom at all that I can share with you, but at least I want to be there for you like I didn't have. You know what I mean? I, I want to repay you for the fact that you were that person, that single person that <laughs> said, you know, allowed me to just spew and be there for me. And you didn't have to, especially the way that, you know, things had ended previously. Mm -hmm. So. I feel like I get a second chance in, in our well, friendship. It's a second do. chance. Absolutely. And I think we both, you know, feel that because I know when I first started through this process, we had already reconnected. We had already been, you know, through our, well, that sucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we were, we were friends again and I was suffering bad. And, uh, and I remember you said, dude, it's going to take a couple years. <laughs> and that, that just that one sentence, you have no idea how much that saved me. Cause I was probably a year and a half in and I'm like, damn, I'm never going to recover from this. I'm never going to be strong again. And, uh, and when you told me that I was like, oh my gosh, it took her almost four years to get her life built back up. 
maybe I still have hope. Yeah. And as, as silly as that may sound, that was everything I needed to hear. So thank you for that. Well, absolutely. I don't know that it would have helped had I heard it before, but it really helped me to know that, like, I remember the moment that I was okay again. I remember the moment that I was like, okay, I'm no longer that broken, you know, I'm tell you, I'm five years out and I'm still figuring the hell out what to do with the rest of my life because he had 20 years and I now have five years to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. So right, right. I had to realize that I looked back and I was like, damn, that took me four years. That that took me four years to feel like my myself, like I'm not walking on that uneven floor. Right. And when I heard you say that, that you don't know if this is ever going to end, it, I knew it will. But it, it feels, you know, it feels so much like it won't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, am I just going to be miserable like this and dealing with friends that I thought were friends but suck? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, how do I how do I rebuild? How do I become single me? Yeah. And still be a mom and still be a teacher and still be everything else I want to be. Which is our next <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's uh, Ooh, that's a doozy, too. Oh, man, isn't it? That is, I think, the battle I'm right in the middle of right now. Mm-hmm. And, and you're obviously a few years ahead of me on this, which... Still in I, that. Still in it, though. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Still absolutely. in it. Still and, figuring all that out. But we'll we'll definitely dive into that and all of that. And if you're out there and you're going through divorce, no matter what stage you're in, and if you're a man or woman, we don't care because, I mean, I've helped male friends you know, through divorce. And I don't want to, I'm not patting myself on the back going, I've helped them. Meaning I, I've been there. I've been an ear. Oh yeah. And them. this is, and, trust me, this is the ear. None of us want to be. Yeah. None of us want to be like, yeah, I'm an expert. Yeah. <laughs> recovering from divorce. Do not want to ever, right. ever be considered an expert in recovering and divorce because I fucked it up a lot. Oh, me too. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we just want you to know, never hesitate to reach out. Never um, hesitate to ask us questions or share your stories or anything like that, because we definitely want to hear them. But sometimes you just need to sit around with a group of women that have, and men, for that matter. Yeah. You know, men need to sit around oh, as well, but right. to sit around and talk about our stories and to learn from each other and to be there for each other and support each other and build each other up no matter what stage we're in. Right. And, and to recognize that there are those stages because I, I didn't have the energy or the, the mental stability to read like divorce 101 books. I'm sure they're out there, but I just couldn't sit down and do that. I had so, my mind was a hundred miles no. an hour. I was in survival mode. So the last thing I needed was a blueprint put out by someone who has never been through this. No, no disrespect to them. Yeah, but I, I do authors. And are if great that works and, for you, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have like to me, curling up with the a book wasn't even an option. My world was spinning out of control. Right. And it's funny you say that. I used to read like six novels a year, and from the time I got divorced until now, I'm just now reading my first novel since I got divorced. Wow. And I'm a I'm an avid reader. Yeah. But in the last five years, I. My mind was just not oh, there. Yeah. And I tried. Did I rented one rented? Is that the right checked out a book from the library? You rent from Blockbuster. Okay, now I'm dating myself. Holy shit. <laughs> Hello, eighties and nineties. Yeah, I uh I, I did try reading one book that I had checked out from the library and I got through a couple pages and then I realized that I wasn't internalizing any word I was reading I was just going through the words and uh, you just don't you don't have uh, depending on the situation I suppose there are some people that get out of their divorce and are able to sit down and read a book but I was so weak yeah there was no way I was reading it and so I I did try to find where's the common people that have gone through this that can just tell me like what's the next step is there light at the end of the tunnel because hard to do that when they're not around absolutely so thank god i don't know what i would do but that was like that was the one piece of information that of course everything you you tell me sticks but that one i I needed so desperately at that time when you said four years i was like oh my gosh there's still hope for me (laughs) i'm not damn to live like this for the rest of my life miserable crying all day not sleeping all night there's an end there is there is an end to it 
Yeah. And I trudged my way through it, and I didn't have anybody to tell me that, but I figured it out, and by God, I was going to let you know there is an end to it. And thank God. I I hate that you had to go through that and and be the trailblazer by yourself, but I thank you for it because I I really don't know what I would have done. I was spinning so low. So that's not one word. That's two words. So low. (laughs) I'm not Hans or anything, but... (laughs) I was spinning so low that I just, I felt like I would never be happy again. Mm -hmm. And now I have reached that point where I I realize there's life after divorce and happiness after divorce and I'm loving my life and I'm not where you are yet. I I hope to be someday. You're so much better though. You're you're doing great. You (laughs) stop selling yourself short. Yes. Yeah. I, and that I think has been my biggest lesson that I just don't expect enough out of myself. Yeah. And, and so that's what I'm working on right now. But now I have my myself to focus on and of course I'll always focus on my kids we Mm -hmm. never leave our kids behind but but I'm in a place where I'm mentally healthy enough to to be like okay life is pretty cool what's coming next yeah and I never ever thought I would get to that point ever so thank you for that well thank you for being that one person that talked to me so always well we have now talked your ear off for quite a while but (laughs) we yeah, we hope that you have gotten something out of it. And at the end of the day, I, my goal, you know, I can't speak for Cheryl, but my goal was just, like I said, to provide a community, Absolutely. you know, and and talk about our experiences so that someone out there can hear them and can get something from them and say, holy shit, that's what I needed to hear in that moment. And like you and I have done for each other. And mm-hmm. if we help one person, then absolutely, I'm, I'm OK with that. I have a huge feeling that more women out there need to hear that. Oh, there has to be so many of us. This is okay. And you're going to get through it. And being divorced later in life after very long marriages is it's survivable. It is. And and not only survivable, but it's possible to flourish after.